Well, good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you are joining, uh, my name is Jill. These are Jill's Journals Out Loud. Me thinking, writing, and then sharing. Today, I want to talk about this idea of what is real strength. And as we are seeing people all around us crack under the pressure of that which we can see and not see, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that and how the nervous system responds I'm going to take a deep breath. We've got a three-minute intro. Jump ahead, and I will see you on the other side. Tell me why. Tell me why. Five, four, three. so glad you're here. My name is Jill and these are my journals out loud. I draw on them to bring you a podcast focusing on those of us who are wired for danger in both the fight and the fallout because my heart and mission is to serve you and yours and what I know to be true as a wired for danger human. The quest for meaning Without a mission we are willing to die for, there is no purpose or meaning to live for. We are not special, but necessary. Our lives are often hard, and they rarely end well. But even knowing all of this, we just can't not do what we were born to do, because we can't stop being who we were born to be. If you are new, I hope you'll listen and see if any of this rings true. And if so, you are not alone. And with that, we are so glad you're here. I've been looking for a place that I'd rather be. I've been searching for my own destiny. I raise my gun to the sky and scream out loud. This is my life. This is my hope. This is what I still like my intro. So I made this video the other day, if you haven't watched it, but I was commenting at some point in the video, 
Does it just me or does it seem like we are just under some crazy intense pressure that is either known or unknown, but I am personally noticing, you know, I'm having a harder and harder time managing my reactions, my hyper reactivity, as opposed to hypo reactivity for those who can just look and stay Zen. There's a reason for that. And, uh, you know, that's why I've been talking about the nervous system. I chose the nervous system to focus on, even though everything within our physiology, our biology, our mental, emotional, and spiritual life, body, system, organism, whatever you want to call it, as human and spirit in a physical world, is that it all moves through the nervous system. So there's no single one thing that will solve every single problem. There's no silver bullet that solves every problem and makes life perfect. But the nervous system is an excellent point of focus because it incorporates so much of our physiology tied into our mental, emotional, and spiritual realities. And so it's sort of an intersecting place. It's where the translation from the non-physical moves into the physical. Uh, We still don't really understand it. And the good news is you do not have to because we all have our own personal monitoring system. We all can tell how we feel, right? We can watch our response time. We can watch how we act, how we think, how we feel, how we believe. That's all feedback about what's going on with us as we experience and observe the world around it. You know, I came up with that model a long time ago. You know, the mind is, uh, you know, the spiritual uh, version is, you know, the mind can't serve two masters. But uh, what I... The way, the simplest way I have described it is when you think you have an emotional reaction to a thought, and that is your feedback mechanism. So thoughts, feelings, actions, right? If you can line all those three things up, then you are truly moving in a powerful way towards whatever it is that you want. But, you know, it's been brought up to my attention, and I see it out in the public all the time, that, oh, people need to stop making emotional decisions. And newsflash, everybody makes an emotional decision. Uh, No decision ever is reduced to just logic and reason. And the reason for that is because we're wired to have an emotional response because that is how we get feedback about our decision. And some of it is so subtle we're completely unaware of it. So, you know, if I'm picking, I always use this example. So if I'm picking a battery and they're exactly the same, but one is pink and one is blue, I will make a decision probably subconsciously just based on the color or some little tiny trigger that's an emotional response to something I'm seeing, thinking about a memory, whatever, That's what advertising and marketing is. It's tapping into your emotional responses. Because even just the decision to just randomly choose, right? Okay, I don't care. Just press a button and I'll do the luck of the draw. That's an emotional decision. I don't want to deal with it, right? And so trying to pretend like we're not having an emotional response to to anything, that we are pure logic and reason, is not a real thing. It's a comfort-discomfort thing. And that's where we get into the nervous system because we're some of us are wired 
to be highly emotional, and that's this wired for danger uh, system that has a huge reaction very quickly so that you can not think, but you can respond because it's lightning fast, right? It's not recordable, the amount of the fast, the speed. What's really interesting, you know, in terms of physics is that they're showing, you know, it's non-location, that things happen so quickly across great, uh, what you would call space and time, that they can't be measured. So there's a big difference between what's true and what we can prove. And just because we can't prove something doesn't mean it's true. And just because it's my thinking and believing doesn't mean it has to be true for you. It's always about wherever we are in this continuum and how we want to respond. And that is our nervous system, right? We're taking in information, information that challenges us that makes us feel like we're in danger, right? It's a fear response, anger, hate, rage, all those things are just covers for fear. So our nervous system is constantly evaluating, is this safe or is it not safe? And so when I speak to this idea of wired for danger, I have come, and this is my own personal theory, I have no way to prove it, is that some of us are wired to respond to danger by running towards it, because the species wouldn't survive if everybody did. You must have people that respond to danger in different ways to protect the entire species. And so we get lost into this idea, I think, where if it's not true for me, it's not true for anybody. And I see this over and over again. Well, it's, I had somebody recently say, well, I don't think that's true about this other person, because I can't see it. And I've spoken, you know, about my own issues. You know, I don't look like I'm having problems, so it's easy to judge why I'm, you know, doing or not doing, you know, what I'd like to do because you can't see it, right? You still look normal. You still look like you did or move around like you did, right? Because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not true for me. And, you know, the big tragedy that I see about everything that's going on is that people when you are when people are afraid they react right you lunge towards it you run away from it or you collapse and try to not under you know you just freeze up and you collapse in the face of it and that ties directly into pressure that we can't see so just because we can't see it feel it hear it name it know it doesn't mean it's not happening and uh, that's what's so fascinating to me about, you know, the the universe information, the cosmos galaxy information is that we don't see cosmic rays. We don't see radiation. Uh, we see their effects. You know, I can see their effects on my skin. You know, I've got skin cancer all over me. Uh, I just gave up. You know, my face is so scarred from me trying to pull off all the skin cancer. And uh, I can't see the enemy, right? Whatever's creating the skin cancer, but it, I know it's there because I can see the effect, right? So I can't see, touch, hear, listen, smell the cause of what's creating the skin cancer, but I can see the effect. But it's our relationship with the unknown of cause that often drives us to be the most afraid. And so I wanted to speak to strength because how we respond to fear 
we usually put under a strength or weakness category, right? We don't we don't think I respond to fear with love. We may talk about that intellectually, but you know, I always make the example, you know, if there's a I th- I've shared, you know, I part of me just really wants to see, you know, the giants or all these crazy things that people that we think might actually be true become true, but the reality is is if I saw some physical body that was 30, 40 feet tall running at me, I really don't want to be in that situation because I can have this conversation all day long. There's nothing I can do that can keep me safe running at a giant, right? So I may have all the danger response uh, in the world, but I'm not stupid, so I would run away. But it's, uh, but if a dog, I'm adjusting the mic, sorry. But if a dog is charging us, you know, I'm bigger than a dog, so I might put myself in between me and whatever I'm trying to protect. And so there is no absolute, it's always a fear response, a danger response is always in relationship, a, stre- a nervous system response is always going to be in relationship to the effect that we perceive, but we rarely ever talk about what the cause is in the first place. And so when we talk about strength, uh, I read something uh, the other day that was really interesting, and it spoke to uh, kind of what was happening in the world today, but it was all written, you know, a very long time ago. And, uh, you know, the statement was the army of the powerless can only be defeated in the presence of strength. And what's important about that is that people who have true strength don't need to attack to feel strong. They don't need to initiate attack. That which we call evil or darkness, uh, people who are doing all these crazy, scary stuff right now, they don't do that from, from a place of true strength. And it's very, very difficult to understand that when one, you're somebody who doesn't like knowing about all these things, but what one of the reasons I chose to ever talk about this wired for danger thing is because I understand all of this stuff intellectually, but it's very difficult to integrate this stuff emotionally. That what is the meaning of true strength in the presence of great evil, knowing that the great evil is really intense weakness that has not been met with any kind of real strength. And killing it isn't the answer. And I think that's where we're going into this next process is all the things that we're afraid of, all the things that were unwanted, we're not going to be able to kill with brute strength and weapons and defense. And and that's, you know, we've been culturally manipulated to think that, you know, this big, strong, muscly guy that's, you know, carrying around 200 pounds of weapons can by himself shoot us up and protect everybody. Uh, And that's just an image. That's a cultural conditioning model that we've been indoctrinated with to, to create, well, I'm weak. I can't protect myself in the presence of great evil. And because we don't understand what real strength is. 
And, you know, one of the reasons I spent a lot of time talking about the psychopathy, sociopaths and psychopaths is that all of that is initiated from a place of great weakness and insecurity. And they're fed, their power is generated only through the fear that they create in others, but met with real strength, it collapses. And it isn't a physical battle. And that's probably the hardest part in all of this. So, you know, even as I was deciding to record this, you know, I'm aware, I can't say the name of where I read that because it flips people out. Uh, You know, I can't say the name of certain people because it flips people out. And why are we so afraid and react so violently to people, to ideas that come from sources that we're just uncomfortable with? And that's fear. That's what I've been talking about. That's the nervous system in response to external stimuli that we are perceiving as dangerous, as a threat to us. And, you know, we got a lot of this conditioning when we were little, right? We had feedback mechanisms. Uh, You know, when you're beat as a kid or you're yelled at or you're neglected, you know, we all have different decisions that we made as children that really conditioned our nervous system. Uh, You know, some of us had great childhoods and some of us had horrific childhoods. And most of us, you know, we're somewhere in between. But, you know, we are grown-ups, and now we need to learn to be in relationship to what we fear. But the best way to understand that is what our default nervous system setting is, I believe. Because when we have a wired-for-danger nervous system, our purpose, we believe, probably subconsciously more than anything, is to attack and defend. But that is really awesome when you're in a physical battle or you're facing a real physical threat, but it's terrible uh, when you're dealing with your animals or your kids or people uh, who are vulnerable and can't match you physically And so your response in your mind is one of strength, but it's really coming from a place of weakness because you're afraid. And when you're somebody who's wired to attack and defend, we don't think of ourselves as weak. We don't think of ourselves as fearful. We think of ourselves as being right and justified. And a lot of times it's not. And, you know, I observe my, and one of the reasons I have to live alone, right, is because I have such a short fuse. It takes so much energy for me in the presence of other people to not say the wrong thing. Now, I don't hit other people, but I have the capacity to wound you in ways that you can't even imagine by what I can say. And I learned that a long time ago, and I it's so hard for me to keep my mouth shut when I'm getting attacked and not fight back. Uh, It doesn't mean I don't blow up and exhibit a little bit of steam in the process and push back. But trust me, you know, if I wanted to eviscerate you, I could. And, you know, one of the things I like about animals is I don't ever feel the need to attack them in that same way because they're not 
ever attacking me, right? And so it's a complex idea that we lose because it becomes so subtle. But the power that we can take from all of it is understanding how we feel the subtleties in our own energy field, right? So, uh, but one of the things I'm observing, the reason I'm talking about this is that what I keep witnessing in myself and others is that the reactivity is increasing or however your personal response is. So I finding myself more volatile than I have been in the past for no reason other than I just am. And all I can think is that the only great changes I've experienced are my hormones, right, over uh, my own personal processes and what's going on in the ethers, which I like that word just because hardly anybody uses it. So, uh, but thank you, James. I I enjoyed the understanding of the word ether. So, uh, but there's something going on that we can't see, that we don't understand, and we can't name that's having tremendous influence, I believe, over how we're <clears throat> reacting to stress. But really, it's a pressure. I think there's just a pressure that's in the ethers that is exacerbating our responses. And even having an awareness of it, I'm finding, is, is not enough to, to modulate it, right? Sometimes I just can't stop myself. And I'm like, thank God, I hope nobody can hear me. And it is a difficult idea because I can't prove it, right? But I've learned over time how to recognize it. And so when we understand who we are and how we respond under pressure, uh, that pressure can be positive pressure or it can be dangerous pressure. So the more we understand about ourselves, I think the better we will be navigating what's coming to us in the future because I don't see the pressure lightening its load. I don't even think we've gotten, you know, more than 20% increase. I think we have a long, long way to go. And, you know, there's historical references. You know, when the magnetic field uh, lowers and lessens, it affects humans. You know, we ha- it affects the animals. I mean, if you think about... Uh, things that you can't see and understand, right? But a lot of animals are getting lost because the magnetic fields that guide them, how they find home, how they navigate is being changed and they don't understand the words or the concepts or the ideas, what the cause is, but the effect for them is very real, right? They're getting beached, they're getting killed, they're getting lost, they're dying, because they don't know what's happening. They can't name it, say it, speak it, touch it with their senses, but their nervous system is responding with fear and frustration because you don't, what do you do when you can't understand what's happening to you, but you're feeling the effects of what's happening to you? And how we respond to fear just gets to the core of all of this, whether we shut down into the bunker and, you know, defend Uh, whether we run forward to confront it or or we just pick up and take off. And I was listening to a discussion about what's going on uh, with a lot of the uh, quote-unquote, 
you know, money people is they're building bunkers, right? There's a fear of something happening in the future. And so they're increasing their security, they're increasing their defenses, they're increasing their capacity to hide. They are not wired for danger people. The people running the great evil in the world, the psychopaths, the sociopaths, the whatevers, right? They are not people who are wired to confront what what they fear. They are leaders of the army of the powerless. When you are somebody who feels powerless, you push your little boundary, right? And so when somebody shuts you down, you may just give up and go into your corner and never come back out. But if you push a little bit and nobody stops you, and then you push a little bit further and nobody stops you, if you're never met with actual real strength, that's when you move forward and become a monster. You know, a serial killer just doesn't walk out and do a sophisticated killing, right? They always start with animals and animals can't protect themselves. And if nobody stops them from their baby torture, then they keep pushing forward and it gets more extreme, more violent, more perverse because it's coming from a place of weakness. And it's so difficult for people to understand that because it it becomes very scary. I mean, we are being ruled around the world by people with tremendous insecurity and not true strength. And what's fascinating is when you look at them, they are very pathetic. They don't even match any of these cultural ideas. You know, it's been interesting to watch like Jeff Bezos, who went from being nerdy and now he's all buffed out and, you know, trying to project that masculine uh, strength. But all of that, all of, for the most part, they're just sad, frail men and women who have to buy security, buy defense, because they have no real strength. But because there was never a boundary, they were never met with real strength, they've been allowed to create a massive system of control that now that people who have strength are kind of waking up and looking at going, oh, crap, what are we going to do about it? But it's gotten so far that there's no way to just, you know, have a few people clean up this mess. This mess is so big right now that there is no way to just simply clean it up. Uh, And that's the problem is when you don't, you know, manage the two, I think I shared this before, but, you know, when I was on the crisis line, you know, people's at that time, their insurance benefits for their kids ran out when they were 18. And so they would call me, you know, at 17 years and 50 weeks and say, hey, my kid's out of control. Can I send him to the psych hospital and you fix them? And like, no, you know, you lost control between age one and two. You can't fix that. Somebody out in the world just can't go fix that for you because you never got around to managing your child. You never set boundaries. You never set limits. You never set into some kind of system of accountability. And that's what we're seeing right now. There's no accountability, right? And 
people are saying, okay, I'm ready to meet that with real strength, but then they're being killed and they're jailed and all these things. And that's what happens when it's not held in check. And, you know, we're all having that individually and we're all having that collectively, that we're learning about what is real strength in the face of great evil and great fear. And that's this increasing pressure that we can't see or name. And so, you know, the conversation was about the bunker building, you know, of scary, the, the, the people who are afraid and in charge are hunkering down. They're building bigger bunkers and more security and deeper and filling it up with stuff. And, you know, I was thinking about the contrast of that, right? The, that weakness needs more and more defense. It needs more security. It needs more, uh, more uh, protection, but these, but the reality is, is that's just a, a bigger prison. You know, can you, because what I was thinking is that, can you feel safe in a system of absolute and maximum security and lockdown? Well, you're in a prison, you know, and the irony is if, you know, just based on human nature, you know, you lock a buck, a, a uh, you lock a bunch of sociopaths and psychopaths in a locked underground bunker for 50 years. How do you think that's going to really turn out, right? It's it's so insane to think that somehow that's the solution. And so I was contrasting that to, you know, may, I've made this decision. I can't physically take care of the trailer, right? I got to, I've got to do something different. So, you know, I've made the decision. I'm just going to sell it and, you know, throw away everything that I can and strip down to the bare, bare minimum, which, you know, the irony being right at the peak moment of needing all my supplies that I've created this steel bunker for myself to be safe within, you know, I'm making this decision to throw myself out into the world completely vulnerable because I can't do it. I don't have a choice at this point, right? I just don't have a choice. And how I have to make peace with that. But what I'm experiencing, even though it's so hard for me to throw stuff away, is I can feel my freedom returning that how this defense of what I'm afraid of has also been my own prison, right? We're all trapped into the the fear of what we're afraid is going to happen. And that is, you know, there's a practical aspect to it, but it's also from a place of insecurity and it doesn't match my nervous system. Uh, you know, it's good for me and for those of us at a practical level, we all need a place to live. I in no universe would I ever advocate everybody to just start wandering around with a backpack. But, uh, you know, as I've expressed repeatedly, you know, I'm on a personal journey of understanding. And, you know, I didn't have children. I chose these things intentionally because I wanted to experience things that I would never at a practical level subject uh, what people or animals, children or animals, you know, to something that was uh, irresponsible. So I'm not saying that anybody else should do that. I'm just saying what I'm observing. And uh, it's really, it was, I'm listening and I'm laughing because, you know, the, the response to the pressure is there's some great event 
coming and we may not know it or we may think we know it, but I think that's this impending pressure that's making everybody go crazy. It's not just about the simple stuff that's happening that, you know, the shutting off of the energy and this ridiculous laws and opening the borders, right? I mean, that stuff is bad enough, but I still believe there's some kind of external pressure. And I haven't watched it. I'm going to go back and rewatch my video where I talked about terminal diagnosis. And there was something, sorry, the dogs are in motion. There was something that happened to me when I listened or I finally got this idea that there is some type of cataclysm or catastrophe coming. And I didn't say that. I don't say that because, oh, it's the latest thing to yell about. But because I spent long enough looking at all these different people that were unconnected their personal discoveries. I still remember this one guy who spent 30 years, like his whole life was dedicated to proving this one idea in the ice cores somewhere. And he got there and he finally got to prove what he believed. And it was just one more piece of this great big puzzle that's being put together. And because it's so scary, right? We are when we talk about a cataclysm, you know, a world-ending event, we're seeing how everybody responds to a pressure that's either named or unnamed. But I had, you know, at, at some point, like, it just hit me, and I had this nervous system response. I had this emotional response. I had this energetic response that somehow said, this is true. And because I'm old now and I've had this repeatedly, right, I have a lifetime of understanding what that signature response in me means. And that's sort of the beauty for all of us. As we get older, we can learn to trust our own internal feedback mechanism system. And that's our wisdom, right? Okay, uh, this happens. That's how I respond. This is the the way it quote unquote feels or however you want to talk about it. There's a pressure, there's an energy, there's a feeling, whatever you want to name it. And, and I remember thinking, you know, we're spending all, the, I'm spending all this energy trying to protect my stuff and protect uh, you know, family heirlooms and protect things that are like, what do I do with the two things of value that I have, which I found out don't even really have that much value, right? But even, you know, if you're collecting things like gold or silver or art, none of that survives a cataclysmic event. And it has no value on the other side, because the only reason even gold or silver has value is because we've assigned value to it. People have used seashells, rocks, all kinds of things. The only reason that gold or silver would be valuable is because we've created that. And you hear the yelling, 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 gold, silver, gold, silver, buy metals. And I'm listening thinking, I don't want your gold when there's no food, right? Like you can't just, you can have a whole bunch of gold, but if there's no food to even buy, why would I take your gold? Gold will have no value when there's no longer enough supply. And so all of this, you, the dogs are acting out. I had to stop it. It's so hard to keep my train of thought when they start wrestling and the problem is is that everything is you know tenuously hanging and so they break things and knock things down <sighs> deep breath I don't even know what I was saying so I wanted to speak to this idea of strength because it's getting harder and harder to find 
a place of confidence, the more and more that's being taken away from us. And so real strength can only come with confidence and confidence in the, you know, in ourselves, in our faith or whatever has always been tied to this idea, you know, that I can protect myself or I survived this or I'm healthy and I can do whatever or I can buy things and all those things are being stripped away from us, right? And, and it's scary when the sources that we have placed our strength in are taken away. And the biggest one that I see culturally is I can buy my, I can buy what I need. I can pay somebody to do what I need. And I believe, you know, that will be our great downfall is because we don't have the capacity to get along with each other anymore. Uh, You you know, when you read old stuff, it is um, filled, you know, with people screaming and yelling and fighting and betraying, but you still moved forward because your survival depended on it. But we've entered a period of time where we can call 911 or we can go to the store. We don't need to depend on each other anymore for our survival. So we have the luxury at this point of, you know, telling people to F off or to just like I do, you know, pick up and leave. I don't like this. I'm going to run away. You know, all these things that have been our coping mechanisms are only been afforded because we have the luxury of buying our way out, driving out, whatever. You know, in the olden days, you didn't have that. You know, your family had been on that piece of land for 500 years. You didn't have any choice that this is where you lived and you had to deal with, people and situations, whether you like them or not. So we're in a very different way that has not really been experienced in much of recorded history. And I think that's going to be coming to a head. And I wanted to talk about this idea of strength because it is something that we have to ask ourselves question, like what does strength mean to us? What value has it? And, you know, true strength without any love becomes evil, right? It becomes the ability to just kill without thinking. Oh, I don't like you. I'm going to kill you. Love without strength becomes doormat, right? Just roll on over me because I have no boundaries. I can't say no. I'm a victim. If you love me, you would stop, right? There's no strength in that love. And and truth is a balance of the two. It's finding the integration of love and strength. To me, you know, that's the integration of masculine and feminine, of dynamic and receptive. It's the yin and the yang, strength and love. And that's what creates true freedom within love and strength is understanding their relationship to each other. But that's a conversation for another day. So This pressure, I think, that's just going on out in the ethers that we can't see and we can't name, uh, I think is originating from, uh, you know, there's just something big coming, whatever it is. You know, I don't know it for sure. I just feel it. But I think because it's unknown and unseen and we can't stop it and we can't fix it, we don't recognize what's going on with us other than our normal capacity to cope is becoming diminished for a lot of people because what I'm personally experiencing what I'm seeing you know in the news all these crazy responses these inappropriate responses 
to events and situations is really just the nervous system losing its mind because it's not designed for this kind of overload. And especially, you know, for those that are in highly electrically charged areas and that people are not able to ground out all this energy that's passing through them or, uh, you know, medications that are altering, altering our capacity to access our nervous system. You know, a lot of these psych meds really screw up your nervous system. Uh, and a lot of it is chemical, but the chemicals are what drive the nervous system. So it's, you know, what I've learned is that people like to talk about the facts. They like to present studies. They think science is the answer uh, by saying, look, this is true. But what I've observed in myself and others over time is understanding the facts, the statistics, of science, science don't mean anything because we're still reacting emotionally to all of this, right? And so uh, you can understand the, the physical, psychological, biological, mental, emotional, and spiritual aspect of your nervous system perfectly. Like you could recite every body part and how it interacts with each other. But it means nothing if you don't know how to drive the car, right? If you don't understand your process within it, it has no value. And I see everybody getting stuck in the facts, the statistics, the names, the physiology, the observation, but not integrating and applying the knowledge, and that's the one piece nobody can do for you. And it's the only piece that we have true mastery and control and input into. We can't stop everything that's happening, right? We can only work within our own capacity to be who we are meant to be in this process, whether it's to respond with strength or to build a nest to bring the vulnerable and the innocent into when things start collapsing, you know, build the haven, right? Or to, to be, if you're a runaway person, right, to go back to the back of the line and start cooking and cleaning, uh, you know, for those who are fighting. Or, you know, we all have a very powerful and important contribution to make. But when we don't understand ourselves we don't understand <laughs> i'm trying to speak to you calmly and all i can totally flood it because i want to kill the dogs because they won't stop pushing and yelling and wrestling <sighs> deep breath oh this space is so small i can't stand the idea that we're moving into a smaller space but uh but i wanted to just take this moment which got to be quite long now because i've been distracted is that um Understanding who we are from a place of strength is vital to understanding how we respond to danger so that we can optimize how we are going to manage what this increased pressure is versus when we don't think about it consciously, when it's just a subconscious, intuitive 
reaction to something that we can't see, we can't name, we can't control, that's when we start to do a lot of damage, right? That's when we start to, you know, beat the dog, so to speak, right? We can't deal with the pressure that's increasing out in the world. So we come home and we attack if we're fighters or we withdraw if we're runawayers or we shut down if we're freezers, right? How we respond to danger just becomes exacerbated in the face of pressure when we're not able to consciously identify, uh, you know, I'm having a response to something that I don't understand, I can't see, and I can't name. How am I going to manage that? Uh, And, you know, that's going to be different for everybody, but it isn't going to eliminate the reality that we're all interacting Right. And so, you know, when you go to the store and you buy something and the person behind you is inappropriately reacting to the fact that it's taking, you know, 30 seconds longer than it should. I was returning a package and the the gal who was uh, checking me out from the to, you know, to scan the package and return it. Right. She was complaining about how slow Amazon was. It took two days here, more than two days here versus when she lived somewhere else, how she could get it in two days. And I, you know, looking at her thinking, you know, your biggest problem is you can't get your effing Amazon packages in, you know, nanoseconds. And so, cause I had uh, been thinking about, you know, the olden days, the pre pre-American revolution, you know, where the women had to order from England basic groceries. I mean, can you imagine having to uh, come up with a grocery list that was going to take months and months and months to come to you overseas, you know, giving them money, having no idea if it was ever going to show up or if the ship was going to uh, crash or uh, sink or you were just going to get ripped off and your only source of food was overseas that you had to order out of a catalog and give money to some ship captain and hope it showed up, right? Like we have so little understanding, you know, for how difficult life has been in the real world in the past. So, uh, and, and allowing ourselves to be frustrated and upset because something got there in three days instead of two days uh, is just the irrationality of how our nervous system is operating within the world as we know it now. But I still believe there's all this other pressure coming at us. And so I think, you know, the first step is always to be aware of it. But, you know, this is a journaling exercise. What does strength mean to you? How do you want to respond to these increasing pressures that you can't control? We cannot control what's happening to us. And it's, you know, you're, you're much better off to think about it ahead of time than to be in constant reaction to it. But that doesn't mean, you know, that you're not going to have times where you pop off or you shut down or you run away. Uh, this is unprecedented in terms of the assault on our nervous system, but it's not just human technology that's assaulting us. I think there's a lot of uh, cosmic galaxy universe uh, assault on us that we just can't see and we don't really understand. And people can tell you what they think all day long. But the bottom line is only you know how you are responding in the presence of it. And you are the only one that can decide how you want to react 
and be with it. And what does strength mean? You know, attacking and killing is not the answer. I mean, that's really a lot of what started this whole process for me. Like, I know I can't kill, conquer, to, and control as a way to solve my problem. So yet I'm filled with all this violence within me. And I, I'm on this spiritual journey. Like, what do I do with that? And so that's really how I started this, because I, I understand I'm wired to respond in a different way that's not appropriate for 99% of my experience with it, but I still believe in it. And so I have on this journey trying to understand it for myself, uh, but we're all having a different response because we're all wired, you know, in a different way. So just something to think about. Uh, I'm going to say goodbye for this moment in time and deep breath, my friends, and I will see you next time.